The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. I want to give God the glory and the praise and the honor for the opportunity he has given me today to share with you again. There are many things we take for granted in life. When you wake up in the morning, we assume that we have a right to it. But surely we do not. And so when you wake up, you need to thank God. When you have an opportunity to be invited to a place, you need to understand John 3, 27. The man can receive nothing except is given to him from heaven. So I appreciate God for the opportunity he has given me. And for Dr. Kayode, you know, you can't go to the bank and register your name as Dr. K. I want to thank him for inviting me, not just this time around, but there is a standing invitation which I intend to inculcate into my everlasting diary. So always make it a pilgrimage, annual pilgrimage, to be here with you for the celebration of your supernatural convention. I want to appreciate Pastor Tuli as well, and all the other members of the crew, you know, who are here today. Thank you very much for your fellowship. We do not make light of it. It's one of those things that build us up and strengthen our resolve to stay on the straight and the narrow. Because we know that two such things, the grace of God is poured out. Now, I was informed that um, we do not have enough of this CD series, Celebrating Impact, that um, I think when they were packing it, they packed more of the 30 years of making a difference than um, the celebrated impact. But by the grace of God, we are going to send to headquarters and they are going to supply them to the bookstore so that those of you who have not been able to access it but do want to access it will be able to have an opportunity to be able to access it. These are messages that I enjoyed preaching. You know, when you preach a message, you enjoy it. And um, there are 60 of them. So just buying this, you bought 60 messages. With a beautiful case. And a beautiful picture. <coughs> at the back. Then if you buy this, we have 30 messages. And the case is also beautiful, but there is no picture. And then we have books. I have been told that the book on decision making have uh, expired. In other words, but by this evening you will have more supplied. But these are books that I believe will help you. Opportunities are bound everywhere. When I got to Heathrow Airport some years ago, I saw a banner titled Opportunities are bound everywhere. Let us take you to them. That's British Airways. Writing that. And God told me. Preach on that for the whole year. 
So for a whole year, I preached on opportunities abound. And that is what became this book. So you will be able to enjoy quite a number of aspects of these messages, this series of messages. We have about um, almost 13. There is a chapter titled The Language of Opportunity. The nature and character of opportunities. How to recognize opportunities. How to evaluate opportunities. The benefits of using opportunities. The tragedy of missed opportunities. Using every opportunity. Keep using every opportunity. Exploring marital opportunities. Eight questions you need to ask when there's an offer for marriage. Ministry opportunities abound everywhere. Ministry is something you can do everywhere. I mean, that's the only thing you can do everywhere. You can't fish everywhere. You can't go coconut everywhere. But when it comes to ministry, you can do ministry everywhere. And then exploring ministerial opportunities. This book will inspire and challenge you. This little one is titled Blessings of Divine Acceleration. Some people think God is slow and there are reasons why people think like that. One reason is because human nature is always in haste. The nature of man is to get everything and get it now. And that is why at times we are always misunderstanding God. Because the nature of God is to do something in a hurry and to do some things slowly, patiently. You need faith and patience if you are dealing with God. But many men have not, many human beings have not developed patience. They want it now, today. If it is not today, then God is not happy with them. If it's not today, then the pastor is not anointed. If it's not today, then the church is not a good church. But you need to understand the nature of God is dual. He does some things quickly, yes. In Roman, I mean Revelation 3, 11, he says, Behold, I come quickly. But in other places, he's a God of patience. John James 1, 4, he says, let, he says, let patience have a perfect course. That be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. You know, you need to understand both of them. And that is what you need to understand. Because some people are just in a hurry. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, 2, he that hastened with his feet, seen it. If you're always in a hurry, According to Proverbs 14, 29, you will support a foolish idea. So at times, we need to be patient with each other, with your leader, with God, knowing that he's a God who does things quickly according to his predetermined counsel, but some things he will do slowly. There is no way you can have faith to make a woman deliver a baby in three months. It will never happen. It takes time. So that is what this book teaches. Balancing the place of doing things quickly with the place of doing things patient. Handling the storms of life. This is a book that prepares you for the days ahead. You may not know how, you may not know when the storm will hit you. My last born woke up one morning and his eyelid did not open. The right eye did not open. He just woke up one morning. 
And he came to me and said, Daddy, eh, eh, eh. Was a little boy. And I looked at this and we started a medical journey. From one hospital to another hospital, from one place to another place, to know the nature. And then they introduced us to a specialist here in Nigeria. They said, this is the man that knows everything. If this man cannot get it done, it can never be done. I looked at the man and I said, sir, what is your comment? You examine him. He was looking like this through his glasses. And after he finished, he said, that's the way he was born. I said, no, no, no. If you don't know, just let me know. That's not the way he was born. I have been with him since birth. He said, we should go and bring all his pictures. I said, there's no need. But we'll bring it. So we went and brought all the pictures from birth. And there was nothing that indicated he had it. So the man told us, he said, well, um, I am in the position where I cannot help you. I said, thank you for telling the truth. You know, the Bible says you shall know the truth. Not just the truth of God's word, but at times the truth of what the situation is like. I call it the facts. And it will set you free. So, immediately I heard that from him. I knew there was no help from man. Psalm 108 verse 12 says, Give us help, O Lord, from trouble. For vain is the help of man. With men, certain things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when I saw that, I, all I did was kick in and put into place the principles of God's word. The same way he woke up one day and the eyelid refused to open. The same day, another day he woke up and the eyelids opened. So it depends on what you do. Storms can come. My firstborn had a tumor in his brain at the age of 15. His pituitary gland at the back of his head was swollen. We took him from hospital to hospital and they said, well, he has something in his pituitary gland at the back of his head. And that they need to operate. I said, no, this is a new, new body. This is a child. Don't spoil the child with bleed. You know, it's like when you buy a new car. And somebody tells you after about six months that they need to open the brain box. No, no, don't open the brain box. It's still a new car. I told the doctor, I said, forget about that. You will not touch this boy with a blade. He doesn't need servicing yet. I said, we know what to do. So we took him home. My wife and I, if one person's faith is not working, two are better than one. If two of you on earth, that was a scripture we used, shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done. We held our hands. We said, Father, thank you for the gift of this child. We agree now that whatever it is in this head, whatever form, nature, or fashion it is, will rebuke the counsel of the devil. We lay axe to the root of that condition. We command it to be uprooted. And it was so. Headache disappeared. Pain disappeared. We went back did the photocopy of the head and we discovered that he was fine. My little girl at the age of 13 fell in love. I don't know why they use that word fall to describe love. Why not stand in love? She fell in love at the age of 13. And the boy he fell in love with is not a human being, he's an animal. His shoes were oversized. His shirt was oversized and he walked like a crab. He has never visited Lagos, but he speaks American lingo. I wanna wanna get a gotta gotta. 
I called my daughter. I said, please, if you are going to marry, marry a human being. This one is not a human being. And my daughter looked at me and cried and said, Daddy, you don't choose whom you fall in love with. I love him. I said, you love this one? And then he said something that shocked me. He said, that was the condition we were in when God loved us. I said, are you God? Are you God? <laughs> you know, there is gnosis, which means knowledge. But there is epignosis, which is higher knowledge. The scripture I taught her, she was reading against me. So what did I do? We called a lawyer to write a letter to the boy's parents. That he should not come near our daughter. 100 years. And the boy used to come to church. We called him. Don't come to church again. Bye bye. We did all of that but it failed. Because our daughter was helplessly. In love. She, at the age of 13. What do you know at the age of 13 about love? She fell for this guy. And after my wife, had, my wife and I had discussed it. We said, well, God gave us this gift and the heart of kings are in God's hand. And he turned it. This is our daughter. Our heart is not in our hands. Our heart is not in our boy's hand. Because my daughter says, she won my heart. I said, no, go and take it back. We'll agree on scriptures. If two of you or not shall agree. And then the heart of kings are in the hand of God. And we prayed. I'm talking about storms. It came up, I'm just giving you about my children. My health, yes, I've had storms. My finances, I've had storms. Ministry, I've had storms. In my career, I've had storms. But the principles are the same when you know God's word. Handling the storms of life. To cut the long story short, after we pray for our daughter, she came to one and said, Daddy, see yes. I want to tell you something. I said, What? He said, I don't love him again. I said, Good. I sent somebody quickly. Go and bring the boy. Go and bring the boy. So they brought the boy. And then I say, oh yeah, tell him now. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> and my daughter says, I don't love you again. The boy says, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah! Before the storms come, that is when you prepare. Second Chronicles 27, 6. Jotam became mighty because he prepared his way before the Lord is God. God will always come, but the way of the Lord must be prepared. That was how God delivered me. Other storms handled with the same biblical principles. God's principle will work in any area. That's what this book is about. Then change God's agenda. At times when some things are not working, let me, let me give you a small story about myself. I pastored the church in the morning for a few years. But at the time when attendance was not, you know, the way it was supposed to be. 180, 202, 160, 201, 170, 230. And it was like that. And I said, no, 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 this is not progress. Progress should be consistent. Progress should be practical and measurable. But is she showing? Was not what I bargained for. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go into the church auditorium. And I'm not going to leave that place until I find a solution. If every minister, every leader of a church, we know that when things are not going right in the church, it is first of all your problem. 
and not the people's problem. You will go a long way to correct things that are not working. We want to blame the followers. The followers only follow the leader. And many, many times, you know, we get what we deserve, not what we desire. So I went to the church and I locked up myself there. I prayed a little bit, was fasting, drinking water, pray a little bit, sing a little bit, read the Bible, lay on the ground, come to the pulpit, I will stand, I will put on myself, I will look up, is there anything hanging around? I prayed on every chair in the hall because I wanted a change. But for as long as you are using old methods, you get old results. But if you begin to use new methods, you get new results. After about three days, no answer. Four days, no answer. On the fifth day, which was a Friday, I prayed for only God knows how many hours. Eight hours. Then I sat on my chair and I normally sit in service and I slept. I fell asleep. And I saw myself in what looked like a trance. And in that trance, I saw myself standing on the pulpit and I was talking. And as I was talking, people were standing up and leaving. Standing up and leaving. Uh -uh. Standing up and leaving. Uh -uh. Standing up and leaving. Then I kept quiet. And then people started coming back. Started coming back. The place was filled. The front was filled. The pulpit was filled. Hardly did I was I able to have a space to stand and preach. Then the vision was taken away from me. Then I woke up. And I said, Lord, is it that I'm not preaching the word? Is it that I'm not quoting enough scriptures? Should I quote 200 instead of 100? What is going on? And God said, very simple. He said, the problem was not that you are not quoting the scripture. You are guilty of the sin of loquacity. I've never heard that word before then. Loquacity? What's no being loquacious? It means talking too much. He said, you speak too many empty words than you speak words that are full of power. Correct the way you speak. Redefine it. Let me set a watch over your mouth. Keep the door of your lips. Don't speak at all times. If you are going to speak, let your words be chosen. Select what you are going to say. Select the occasion to talk. Select the people you are going to talk to. But correct your mouth. I didn't know that my mouth was the problem. So what did I do? Set a watch over my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Psalm 34 verse 12. Who is it among you that desire life? And love many days that he may see good. Then he prayed his mouth from evil and his lip on speaking guile. So I started checking my mouth. All the things God said I was, wrong, was wrong with me. I started checking. Without any other effort. No further fasting. No further preaching. Even when I come to take offering, I say it's offering time. I don't say more than that. The offering rose up. The attendance steadied. We started growing by leaps and bounds. Men were coming. Women were coming. Children were coming. People were in the whole place was sealed in no time. And I discovered along that time that all the while it was the need for the change that I had to put in place. For as long as you are doing the same thing, you keep getting the same result. For as long as you are giving the same offering, your financial level may not change. For as long as you are paying the same amount of tithes. I went to a conference in the US. I go for that conference almost every year. And this man was talking and he said, 
he is paying 91% of his income as tithe. I said, what? 91% as tithe? Well, you are still arguing over 10%. And that man says, and I'm a multimillionaire. But whatever way you can define it. Is it the more I raise my tithe, the, the more God raised my income? So I made up my mind. I'm not going to give just ordinary tithes. Every year I've asked God, what should I do to my tithe? And I've been increasing it and increasing it. And this year, I've increased it to 40%. I don't know what the Lord will say next year. Probably 50 or 60. But you see, you cannot lose giving. You need to change something. You want more money? I preached a message years ago. If you want more money, then give more money away. Give more money away. You want more time? Give more time to God. If you want to be recognized, make sure you focus on God. Change God's agenda for the next level. I've almost preached two messages. Let us go into the word. Mm. My voice is almost going well. Tonight I'm traveling just to go and rest. Because this battery is tired. You know, and I know I'm going to have a wonderful rest. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Ask your neighbor, what chapter and verse is that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You say yes, sir, yes, sir, oh yeah. <laughs> Whether he eats little or much. Did anybody tell you the answer? Uh, okay. It's not test yet. Let's go. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. There are quite a number of things about the eagle that is very fascinating. Verse 18 and 19. Proverbs 30, verse 18 and 19. There be three things which are too wonderful for me. Yea, four things which I know not. And then he started cataloging it. The way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent upon the rock. The way of a sheep in the midst of the sea. And the way of a man with a maid. Those are four things I've preached on all the four before. But I want to deal with the first one. The way of an eagle in the air. By the grace of God I will be speaking on the eagle minister. This is going to be part two. The eagle minister. Who is he? What are his qualities? What is he expected to do? So that he can be an eagle minister. As God's word defined. He requires us to be. Let us pray. So heavenly father. I want to thank you for your word. Your holy written majestic word. I want to thank you for doctrines. For correction. For reproof. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, and prepared unto every good work. I want to thank you for the privilege of standing in this area of my office and minister according to the ability that you give. Let your word, let your spirit move among us. Bless your word to our hearts. Lord God, at the end of the day, let it be possible that the things that we learn and receive and hear and see, we shall be to us. 
We give you the glory and praise. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God is at work all over the earth. He is at work doing various things in various places at various times. God is at work all over the earth. Not only do I know this by my trips, but I also follow God's activity in various nations. His revival. The souls that are being saved. The various movements that are being birthed. The various things that we are hearing about massive changes all over the world. God is at work all over the earth. But more than that, God is also at work in his church. Not just all over the earth in getting souls saved, but God is also at work in his church. There are denominations that you and I know of whom we call Orthodox. But today I can assure you that God is moving in those churches. The Anglican Church, the CNS Church, the Celestial Church, and many other churches that probably you and I may not even count to be a church where things are happening as they have been in Pentecostal or Charismatic ministries. God is at work all over the church, all over the earth. But God is also at work in his church without any doubt. And I can assure you that the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is plenteous. In other words, there is a lot to be done. Untold billions are still untold. There's a lot to be done all over the world. Whenever I go to one nation after another nation, I always get animated by what God is doing and the way he's doing it. I went some years ago to Kenya and I was in a small, uh, second largest city in Kenya known as Mombasa. Mombasa is an Islamic city just like Ilori. And it's very close to a small country known as Zanzibar. Just not very far off the coast. And I was in this church and we're having two services per day in a church known as Jesus Celebration Center. The prelate of that church is a friend of ours, Bishop Wilfred Lai. And during the day, I was there for two weeks. During the day, the biggest hall in the city was filled to brim. Midday service. So filled that the aisle, after people have had their seat, people are now arranged in a row, row by row, standing in the aisle. There was no space in front. And that continued for two weeks. And in the evening, we were having Holy Ghost meetings. Just come there, share the word, and the Spirit of God begins to move. And things started happening. People started coming in from Uganda. People started coming from Tanzania. These are neighboring Swahili-speaking countries. And I was there for two weeks. The whole pain, the whole town was agog. Despite the fact that it had a major Islamic population. And after two weeks, I came and once one night, like that Sunday night, so powerful was the revival. That on Sunday, we start the first service by six. And every two hours after, 
the whole tent will be emptied. A new set of people will come. And the last service is by 9 p.m. 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Tremendous, tremendous program. Earth-shaking program. Wonderful move of God. It was just in the days when HIV AIDS just broke out. Healings occurred. Many things occurred. You see, one thing about me is that I'm not very good in publicity and talking about the things that are done. Because I believe in one statement. Do not count those who do the things that count. Never stop to count them. So all these things happened. The place was shaken to the very foundation. I was there for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, we announced on Sunday night. But okay, the program has come to an end. Tonight is the last night. Don't come again. No. Don't ever try to come again. So I left for the place. I left for the hotel. So many strange things happened. I think I documented it in one of my teachings. Titled Supernatural Experiences. And after I went. The, when I went back to the hotel. I got my loads packed. And then. I was on my way to the airport. But very early the next day. The pastor called me. He said they have gathered again. He said we told them yesterday. That they shouldn't come. But they have gathered again. He said, so please, on your way to the airport, swing by the city center. For that hall where we used. When I got there, the whole place was filled. I now remember when the Bible said Jesus saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion towards them and he healed them all. I went in there, preached, ministered to the sick especially. And I took my leave and went to the airport. I traveled from, I traveled from, uh, from uh, um, uh, uh, Mombasa to Nairobi, and I went on to Lilongwe in Malawi, where I had another program. In those days, Malawi was a desperately poor country. Whenever they give us rice in those meetings, they put rat. You know what a rat is? That's the meat they put on the rice. And that is special because some other food had no meat at all. So when they put a rat on it, you know that, yes, they are counting it to be a major meal. When I go to Lilongwe, the pastor texts me and said, do you know they still gathered in the evening? I said, they came again? But we told them this afternoon they should not come anymore. He said, they came home. To cut the long story short, the revival meeting continues for another week. Now what did I see all of this? The harvest is plenteous. There is a lot of hunger. There is a lot of desire in the hearts of many people. Proverbs 11.23 says the desires of the righteous is always good. There are many desires. People, people are hungry after God. But the problem, one main problem, the laborers are few. The real regulars are not many. Don't bother yourself about the quacks and the charlatans. Those are not part of the labor force. They are volunteers. They were not sent. They were not called. Hebrews 5 4 said, No man take this honor upon himself except his call, even as everyone was called. These people are setting in place glorified supermarkets. Those are not churches. 
The church of the living God. It's not, it doesn't look like that. And that is why the Bible said at the end of the day, many people say, we did this in your name, we did this in your name, we did this in your name. He said, and Jesus will respond and say, depart from me, workers of iniquity, because I do not know you. The laborers are few. Genuine laborers are not men. Genuine, selfless laborers with the right motives are very few. Now, having said that, let me move on by saying this. The problem is not just that there are no liberals. The few liberals that are available are not ego in nature. It's one thing to be an ego. It's another thing to be an ego minister. It's to be an ego minister. You may be an ego as a child of God. Because God calls us egos. But the question is, are you an ego minister? Because what it takes for the work to be done in a way that it should be done is just more than having a call of God into the ministry. Because we don't have enough ministers and we don't have proper ego ministers, there have been four things that have happened. Number one, the amount of God's work that have really been done is not much. It's not much. The amount that has been done is not much. It's not much. Let us forget about those who are moving from one church to the other church. Conversion have not been at an all-time high. Altar calls are not given in most churches. So people are not getting born again. Churches are just recycling, recycling, recycling. According to Donald Gavin, the father of modern church growth, there are three kinds of growth that a church can experience. That's what we call Transferred growth. When people move from this church that is running a new show to another church that is running a better show. Transferred growth. Then there's what we call biological growth. When people were already born again, have children, raise them up in the family, and they come to know the Lord. That's the second kind of growth. And then the third kind of growth is what we call conversion growth. When people get born again. For a number of years when I used to come to Lagos almost every year, at times when I look at the people in the front row, second row, third row, there are people I have seen repeatedly in three or four churches. That just be moving from one church to the other church, from one church, from one church, from one church to the other church. That's not church growth. That's transferred growth, which is not real growth. Biological growth is also a form of growth, but the best growth is conversion growth. And that has not been at an all-time high. Why? The harvest is plenteous. The real laborers are few. I went to a church one day. I gave an altar call. A church of 1,200 people. 1,000 people responded to the altar call in this church. And the pastor said, no, no, you don't understand. The pastor came to me and said, no, no, no. Sir, that, they don't understand the altar call. So I gave it the microphone. Give it the way you want to give it. He gave the other call and said, yeah, we understand, we understand. We understand what he's saying. A thousand members of a 1,200 member church. That is what I'm talking about. I had a program here in the police college, here, in Lagos, police college. It was so many people coming from a particular denomination. I gave an altar call. I saw deacons, pastors, answer the altar call. So, 
The, the man there said, excuse me, sir. No, no, no. They didn't understand what he said. Because I can see dickens, workers, pastors out there. I gave you the microphone. He made the other call. And he said, yes, we understand what you are saying now. We understand what you are saying. That's, that's why we came out. Having a form of godliness, but denied the power. About two, three years ago in England, London, I was in a program. This denomination had gathered all its pastors together to adorn for a vigil. And I preached after I preached. I said, Before I minister, I would like to minister. These were ministers. Ministers. I would like to minister to you here if you are not born again, or if you need to dedicate your life to Christ, or if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And three quarter of the people came out. The man said, Ah! He shouted in front when he saw them come out. He said, Ah! Ah! The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. What have they been preaching? What have they been hearing? But look at when push came to shove, it became very clear. Because it's not a simple question I asked. If Jesus were to come now, you die now. Will you go to heaven? And that was it. So, the first thing that is happening is that not much is being done. Big program, big congregation, big events. How many of them are saved? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. So, that is the first implication of having a lot of harvest but few laborers. The second implication is that when you have few laborers, the rate at which the work is going to be done will be slow instead of fast. Number three implication is that the quality of work, if you don't have enough laborers, the quality of work will be compromised. If there is a lot to do, and only few people to do it, the quality will be compromised. Then the fourth thing is that there is a lot of work and few people are available to do it. The impact of what is done will be minimal. In Lagos, ladies and gentlemen, the impact of Christianity is very limited. Very limited. Along every road, every street, there is at least a church. I went to a church one time, eight flats, eight, for this side, for this side, filled with churches that salt have lost its savour. We brag ourselves. We have the largest crowd. We have the this. We have that. But what do we have to show for it? Corruption has eaten deep into the fiber of our society. And our society is the way it is because Christianity is the way it is. Christianity is the way it is. So the harvest is plenteous. The liberals are few. And that is why today the greatest need of God in this land are people. Ministers. Not just ministers, but eagle ministers. That's the greatest need of God. Ministers, yes. But not just such ministers. Eagle ministers. I'm going to define the qualities of an eagle minister and try to show you how you can mature and be shaped and be sharpened and become an eagle minister yourself. That is the problem. 
Only God can save the world. But he cannot do it alone. God has always had to work with men. Proverbs 8 4. Unto men will I call. My voice shall be to the children of men. Jeremiah 5 1. Ezekiel 22 30. God says, I'm looking for a man. Oh, a man. God always had a team. He has always teamed up with people. In the Bible, he teamed up with Moses and brought the children of Israel out after 450, 30 years of slavery. He teamed up with Joshua, a man, and was able to take the children of Israel into the promised land. He teamed up with Noah and he was able to get his seed, the seed of the world, retained in the days of the flood. He teamed up with Abraham and was able to raise up a nation called Israel. He has always been known to team up with people. He teamed up with Deborah, Othniel, Gideon, David, Samuel, and was able to do so much. Only God can save the world, but he cannot save the world alone. God's eyes running to and fro. Second Chronicles 69. Looking for those whose hearts are perfect. The problem is that there are no people. But the real quality people are few and far between. Few and far between. Few and far between. As I was living that nation of Kenya, I, my heart was broken. I preached for two weeks. I lost my voice and I saw the hunger in the multitude. Let me tell you this. In the book of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus ministered to the child. Jesus ministered to the man. Jesus ministered to the woman. And the Bible said when he lifted up his eyes, he saw the multitude scatter as sheep having no shepherd. And he said, surely the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. When he saw it, he had ministered to a representative of the human race. But he still saw the need. He still saw the need. Let every minister know this. You have four responsibilities. Number one, you have a responsibility to be a real minister. An ego minister. Number two, you have a responsibility to pray unto God. To send laborers unto his harvest. Number three, you have a responsibility to raise up Ego ministers. Raise them up. Identify them. Locate them. And raise them up. I've done that all my life. Jesus had eyes of an ego to see minister in Peter, John, Thomas, Philip. All these people were people that he identified. The Bible said he went about and he said, Follow me. Follow me. Follow me and I will make you. That is your number three responsibility. And then number four is you have a duty to now mold the man that makes the ministry. Be the minister. Pray God to send ministers. Try and recruit people. And then try and mold them. Make them. Structure them. Design them. Define them so that they can be ministers of honor. You need, we need ministers all over the place. I go around the body of Christ and I go around the nations 
And I can tell you, the harvest is plenteous. Even in our days, in the days of Jesus. But the laborers are very, very, very few. And that is why everything is the way it is. That is why the work is impact is not visible. The quality of pulpit. At times I watch TV and I, I listen to trash. And I always ask, why are these people on TV? Why? What are they doing there? But the point is, some people think, if I have the money though, let me go there. I have the money. Others are there. Do you really have a mandate? And they go and beg, 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 beg on TV, beg, beg, send us money, send us seed, send us this. And I always imagine, did Jesus ever raise an offering once? Was there a time that Jesus raised an offering? But he had enough and he even employed a treasurer full time. How did he get it? Let us use the method of Jesus. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. A disciple cannot be greater than his master. He that shall be perfect shall be like his master. So in the next few minutes, I'll spend probably an hour just. I want to look at seven characteristics of an eagle minister. And these are characteristics that you and I will develop. Need to develop. I'm going to take these characteristics from the lifestyle of an eagle. These characteristics will shoot you to the very top. When it coquetted in my life, in our ministry, it makes us fruitful in every good work. It makes us be the kind of battle axe and weapon of war. The kind of threshing instrument with it that God expects us to be. What are the qualities, characteristics of an eagle minister? Now, let me, let me just try and shorten it. What are the characteristics of an eagle minister? Am I an eagle minister? Have I been an eagle minister? Are the people around me eagle ministers? Are the people I associate with eagle ministers? Are the people in my team eagle characterized? Do they have the quality of the eagle? Because if someone is going to be a minister, he should be a minister in spirit and truth. A minister in whom there is no guile. A qualitative minister. You look at some ministers and say, Father, thank God, I want to be like this person. You look at some other ones, Father, thank God, if this was ministry is, I don't want to be a minister. But we want to look at some characteristics of an ego minister. I'm just going to take them one by one and explain them. These are physical characteristics that the eagle has and we'll be able to define it. We'll be able to look at how it relates to us and how as ministers we need to have this and possess it in abundant quantities in our lives. Number one, the eagle as a board has a very great and powerful vision. Let me tell you, the eagle's eyes the one on the right is located lower. The one on the left is located higher. The eagle is the only bird and the only being that is short-sighted and long-sighted at the same time. 
Because of the way the eye is located, he sees far. Because of the way the eye is located, on this side, he sees close. So the ego sees what is far and what is close vividly. He has a keen sense of sight. Job 39, 29 says the eagle, the eye of the eagle sees afar off. And what preserves the eagle most is his sight. What can preserve the beauty, the fruitfulness of your ministry? What can make you stay in the set and the narrow is your vision. There's a difference between vision and television. Television is something that can easily change with time. You change channels. But vision is constant. A vision is what it was in the beginning. It is what it is now. And it is what will ever be. A vision is not subject to be reviewed. A vision can have stages. But a vision is constant. I have called thee. I have chosen thee. I have ordained and anointed thee to take my next word to the nations. Emphasizing its integrity. Over the years, people have revised vision. Modify it. You know, revise standard version. Modify it. Add to it. And so many things have been added to the vision to the point that it does not look like what it was in the beginning. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. Verse 6 says, add not to it, lest you reprove you, and you be found to be a liar. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. God wants us to have eagle vision. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now let me say this to you. One translation says, where there is no vision, the people run wild. When a pastor tells you you need to eat snake, you need to eat grasses for miracles. When a pastor tells you, I no longer, I don't, my leg cannot touch the ground anymore. I need people's body that I can walk on. That is not vision. The wildness that we see today is a product of lack of vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. People are perishing because people have no vision for people. Ministry vision is for other things apart from people. Ministry is about people. Ministry is touching lives, changing destinies. Ministry is for the body of Christ. He says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. The way the Greek explains this is this. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to perfect the saints, to prepare the saints, to mature the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. So the gifts in the body are supposed to help in perfecting the saints, making them mature so that they can do the work of the ministry and then they can edify the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith, unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But is that what ministry is today? Are the saints being perfected? Is the work of the ministry going on and going out? 
is the body of Christ edified? Or are we just setting up jamboree after jamboree? God told me, he says, my son, don't build an empire, build my kingdom. It's easy to build an empire when you have the kind of anointing that God has blessed me. It's easy. Building an empire is easier than building the kingdom. You don't do things because it's easy to do. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So vision preserves. Apostle Paul said in Acts 26, 19, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. People don't know what obedience to the vision means. Obedience to the vision does not mean setting up programs, having a ministry, doing one thing after the other. The point is, obedience to the vision means stay with it. At the end of life journey, you will not be measured by the size of what you do, where you do it, but as to whether it conforms to the initial vision. Every man's work will be judged. Romans 14, 12. We shall all give an account of ourselves to God. An ego minister sets the vision. An ego minister's vision is clear. What do I do? Where do I do it? How do I do it? When do I do it? With whom do I do it? For how long do I do it? Vision is clear. So important. Matthew 6, 22 says, The eye is the light of the body. If a man's eye is single, then his whole body shall be full of light. Is your eye single? What is your vision? Vision does not mean television. Vision simply means a divine order of things according to God. Over the years, I, can do, I could have done many things. I could have done a lot of things. I could have done several things. I could have sought, like the children of Israel, sought for a king like other nations. But why have I not? Vision. The most preservative thing for an ego is the way it sees. What will preserve the beauty, the strength, the aroma of ministry, not only in the sight of men, but God is vision. The most powerful thing that can make you to show up is vision. People who have seen what others didn't see have soared. I soared because of the vision God gave me years ago. What brought me out was the vision God gave me. What, God, what, what made me go to the nations was the vision God gave me. You see, when you have a vision as a real vision, it will make you soar. It will lift you up. It will advertise you. I am not good on publicity or advertisement. I only follow the fire. And people who have encountered something that is real, we tell others. When people taste what is vision, they tell others. That was how the ministry of Jesus Christ spread. No TV. No radio. No handbill. No social media. He just went about doing good. That's what ministry is. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And the thing advertised itself. Some posters today are bigger than the size of the church. Some handbills. You see people cack like this. Because they give you the impression it is their nature of cacking. That is not what God is going to do. For so many years I had a problem with the publicity department. I was not putting my face on the handbill. I said because it's not me. People are coming to meet. They should look unto Jesus. Who is the author and finisher. Vision is important. 
Do you have one? There are so many ways of knowing whether a man has a vision or not. One simple way is if he's easily discouraged. The Bible says in the book of that Psalm and Proverbs 29, 18. He said, where there are no vision, the people are easily discouraged. I have kept to the heavenly. When Apostle Paul was going to die, what did he say? Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He said that the time now, he said, I'm not ready to be offered. He said, because I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. One thing that is difficult is to keep faith with God. A vision can be expanded. A vision can be redefined. A vision can be made to say what he never said in the beginning. But God knows what he's told you. And that is what God is going to use to measure you. Not the way people measure you. That which is highly esteemed among men. Before God is abomination. Vision. I want you to notice the people that God dealt with in the Bible. The first thing he did was to open their eyes. Psalm 34, 5. He said, we looked up to him who were lighting. And our eyes were not ashamed. He opened their eyes. Jeremiah 1.10. He said, Jeremiah, see, I have this day made you a head of other nations to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to uproot, to build and plant. Then he asked him, Jeremiah, what did you see? And Jeremiah discovered what he saw. He said, you have worse. Verse 13. Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, he discovered what he saw. He said, you have well seen. Matthew 13, 16. Jesus talking to his apostles. He says, blessed are your eyes for the see and your ears for the hear. Zechariah 4, 2. Zechariah 5, 2. God says to his angel, angel of the Lord said to Zechariah, Zechariah, what do you see? As Zechariah discovered what he saw, he said, that's correct. Amos 7, 8. Amos 8, 2. And the word of the Lord came and said, uh, Amos, the angel of God said to him, Amos, what says thou? He discovered what he saw. He said, you are well seen. So the first thing about an eagle minister is precise vision. Not something you formed out of some other person's wordings. I remember somebody years ago, they asked him, they said, what is your vision? He said, I have called thee, I have chosen thee, I have ordained another thee to take my message on wealth to the nations. That's not vision, that's television. He just took what I said and revised it. There are many voices and there are echoes. You need to have a message to be a voice. You're not supposed to be an echo. Echo, echo, echo. You see them echoing what somebody said. Right? The vision. Make it plain that it may run and reach it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 2.14, the wise man walking with his eyes in his head. Isaiah 3.17, he said, your eyes shall see the king in his beauty, which is close vision, and your eyes shall behold the land afar off, which is far vision. That is the eagle eyesight. The first thing is, what do you see? What do you see? Paul was praying for the Ephesians church. Ephesians 1.18, he said that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Psalm 119 verse 18. He said, open my eyes that I may behold one not still out of your law. I'm a stranger. Verse 19. And a pilgrim. Hide not thy commandments from me. Genesis 13 14. The Bible said that it came to pass after Abraham separated from Lot. 
that God told Abraham, lift up your eyes from the place where you now stand, north, south, east, west. He said, whatever you can see, you can have it. He said, arise, now walk through the length and breadth of the town, of the place. The first thing is, you must have, an eagle minister must have an eagle eyesight. So important, eagle eyesight. Eagle eyesight. Eagle eyesight. I can go on and on, but let me try and just move on to the next point. Noah was somebody who saw the coming of the judgment and saw it before the judgment came. He built an ark for 120 years. Everyone who saw it in history had vision. Not only, you see, one thing about the eagle is because, because of the eyesight that it has, it sees storms that are coming ahead and flies above it and operates at a level higher than that of the storm. So your vision protects you. Your vision preserves you. Your vision marks you out. Your vision gives you the capacity to be very fruitful. That's the first thing about the eagle. Number two, the second characteristics that make the eagle swear is how it flies. Listen to this. The eagle flies straight. The eagle's flight is not zigzag. The eagle is straight. If you want to show up, you need to be straight as a ruler. The eagle flies straight. It does not zigzag. This is the same way the aircraft flies. You have never seen an aircraft fly like this. If it flies like that, it won't go far. It flies straight. We need it to develop the attribute of being straight as a minister. Not crooked. Not deceptive. Not manipulative. Be straight so that what we see is what we get. Learn to be honest. As believers, we need, if we want to show up, ministers, we will be straight in all things. Seek after righteousness and be honest. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all other things will be added. I used to come to a ministry in this town so many years ago. After I came seven times, I will raise money seven times for building. I did not buy. I stopped coming. That's not being straight. That's not integrity. That is not the kind of ministry you should have or all. When the money is raised for a purpose, use it for the purpose. Do not just say we are going to do, but also do what you say. God say what he means and makes what he say. One thing about God is honest. God is honest. You cannot expect to deal with God and so up without being honest. There's a whole lot of deception in the body of Christ. Many ministers draw near with their mouth, but their heart is far away. They say, yes, sir, babao. But they don't really believe it. And God is not looking at your mouth. He's looking at your heart. The heart of men is deep. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Of course God knows it. Hebrews 4.13 He said we are naked and open in the eyes of God with whom we have to see. I went to a pastor's church. He sat near me and he says 
He said, our church is not growing. Yeah, church is not growing. That's one of the problems we have. And God spoke to me and said, he doesn't want the church to grow so that my kingdom will be expanded and extended, but he wants the church to grow as a feather on his crown. He's more interested in church growth so that he will be reckoned with as one of the happening men in town. He said, don't mind him. I see his heart. God knows your heart. Proverbs 20, 24. Man's going out of the Lord. How can a man understand his own ways? The eagle flies straight. Salary. There are too much crookedness. Too much manipulation. Too many insincerity. Too many lack of commitment. And there is a lot of fraud. Fraud. In the day when God rejoined the secrets of him by Jesus Christ, you'll be shocked what will happen on the last day. Some people you expect to see, you won't see them. Some people you don't expect to see, you will see them. And then you'll wonder yourself, how did I make it? It doesn't pay to be crooked. The only being that is referred to as crooked in the Bible is Satan. Isaiah 27 verse 1. Job 26 verse 13. He's referred to as the crooked serpent. Crookedness is not the way of the spirit. Crookedness is never the way of the spirit. Being straight. A straight line. The arithmetic people will tell you and mathematician is the shortest distance between two points. A straight line. It's the shortest distance. Just be straight. It pays. Though it will cost you when you are in it. But it will never last. The pain will not last. But the beauty will remain. Very important. Straight. Joseph was honest. Straight. David was honest. Straight. Daniel was honest. Straight. Joseph had an opportunity. But he didn't use it. Because it was wrong. Daniel had opportunities. But he didn't use them. Because they were wrong. David had an opportunity to kill Saul. Kill Saul. But he didn't use it. And in the time he hastily begot in the beginning. Proverbs 20, 21. But the end of it is not blessed. And the end should be the blessed part. Because better should be the end than the beginning. of. You must make a commitment and a vow before God. And say God before whom I stand. I will be straight as a ruler. Because the eagle flies straight. The eagle flies straight. When they were looking for dickings in the early church, one qualification at 6.3 was honest man. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21 provide for honest things in the sight of God and the sight of man. Anything you have and you cannot give a clear cut testimony as to how you got it, forget about it. Don't raise your money for church building and used to buy a car. It won't work. Let me tell you what happened some years ago here in this town. One of my sons came here in one church. I won't tell you the name of the church because they are so big. And the pastor had agreed with him that when he comes, he was going to raise an offering for them and that he was going to give this man 30% of the offering while the church killed 70. And he had given this son of mine information about rich people in the church. The one that just got a contract. The one that just built a house. The pastor of the church 
given this minister such information. And so when the man came, he was operating from the gift from knowledge. There is a man here. You have just gotten a contract. And all those things he was saying because the pastor fed him on it. Uh, so after the after the tie ride, after the show, because it was a show, he finished and he left. They gave him 30% like the pastor promised him. And he departed with it. Is that an ego minister? Is that an ego minister? The work of crookedness? Is that, is that what it takes to, 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 to have a ministry? So this young man took the money and left. When he put the money in his room in the night, he started hearing the breath of a man that was deep. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. Another man in this room. He put on the light. The breath continued. Hmm. Hmm. He fell on his knees. Oh God. And God told him, return the money. Or else you will kill yourself. Have no fellowship with your fruit work of darkness. But rather reprove it. Whenever a ministry says, I wanted to raise money. I don't raise it. Because why should I raise it? As many as are led by the Spirit of God or led by the pastor. Romans 8 verse 14. They are the sons of God. Fly straight. Be honest. Better. Honest. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 says we should desire to live a honest life. Second Corinthians 13 7. He said do that which is honest. Romans 12 17. He said we should be honest with all men. First Thessalonians 4 12 reminds us about the place of being honest. The eagle flies straight. Hebrews 12 13. Make straight path with your feet. Make straight path with your feet. One pastor came to me and said, Reverend George, when you come home, I want you to, to really quote scriptures. Because when you quote scriptures, people will bring money out. And all the money they bring out, we are going to add it together and give it to you. Uh-uh. When he said that, my spirit was poisoned. I said, what is this? Is that a show? He said, the more you want, you quote that scripture. They say, hey! I know my people that just come out. I like baby honey. Because of what he said, I just made sure I preach a straight message. Nobody was shouting, nobody was screaming. And every time we look at myself, manipulation. Manipulation. That's not what you see. When everybody has come and gone, you are going to have to live with yourself. Having a conscious void of offense towards man and God, giving no offense. That the ministry be not blamed. In everything, approving ourselves as ministers of God. In everything. In everything. I finished preaching. The man gave me a very wonderful, very poor know, I told you what you should do. But you didn't do it. So this is it. I said, well, let me even provide so that you can take it. Because, I mean, the point is, what's he trying to do? With his own people. Is that a shepherd? 
That's why Jeremiah 3.15 says, I will give you, I will give you shepherds after my heart who will feed you. That's why David was different. A man after my own heart. Does your heart beat with the heart of God? You are not masters over God's heritage. You are not supposed to manipulate them, steal from them, deprive them of whatever is theirs. If they give it willingly, it's blessed. According to that which a man has. That's the second thing. When it comes to being an equal minister, make up your mind, I'll be straight. It's going to cost me to be straight. For so many years, because I chose to be straight, I rode in Suzuki 100. But am I still riding Suzuki 100? For so many years, I didn't have enough to do anything. But now there is nothing I want to do, I can't do. Straight! Make up your mind. I will not follow the multitude. I will not fellowship with your fruitful work of darkness. I will reprove them. At the end of life, journey, let me say this to you. You are going to leave this earth with nothing. The auditorium, the car, the clothes, whatever you have, you will leave here with nothing. You only live with your character. You only live with the content of your character. And that is what God will judge you by. Everything will drop off. All those who, who drive jets, I'm not saying it's wrong. Per se. But the point is, is they won't carry one of it. They will appear before God naked. Naked, I came into this world, naked will I go. Job said it, and that's the truth. You came to this world with nothing. You are going to live with nothing. So why become crooked and build a reputation that you cannot carry into eternity? What matters most is to use this present life to buy your eternity for a better eternity. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on the earth. Every time there have been pressure for me to compromise. But I say to myself, I've made a vow before God. The word I've got out of my mouth in righteousness, I'm not going to take it back. I will never be crooked. I will never cheat you. I will never lie to you. I will never give you an impression that I'm hearing from God when I'm not here. Recently there was a problem in one church. The man came and said, God told him that he should raise an offering of 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds, everybody. So after everybody had 2,000, he said, well, God is now saying again that if you want 1,000 pounds, bring it. People say, ah, no, 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 no. How is God changing his mind? Right here now. And the member sparked. But is there need for that? At the end, meat for the belly, belly for the meat. God will destroy the meat and the belly. Number three. The talk characteristic of the eagle that makes it possible for it to soar is the way it feeds. The way the eagle feeds. There are ministers who feed poorly. Poorly. You are eating other people's vomit. Poorly. Feeding. Now let me say this to you. The feeding of the eagle is different. And it's significant. It's significantly different from other birds. And it accounts for the strength that it has. To fly the way it flies. Most other birds feed on handout 
remnants that are cast to them and they feed on greedily on things that other people have killed and filthy commonly available things but what the eagle feed on are the only thing it kills itself second hand revelation is powerless second hand revelation some people are running with the message that is a second hand revelation from somebody else and a purpose-driven pastor. We know who purpose-driven pastor is. We know you are not the one. You need your own badge from the word. I said, God called me to take his word. That's all. I could have said, God called me to teach faith like a because it was one who brought me up. But I did it. Second-hand revelation is powerless. When you read something from a book, Add value to it from your personal experience. Don't be an echo. Be a voice. The way the eagle feeds. Let me tell you this. What you eat. How you eat. When you eat. Where you eat. With whom you eat. And for how long you eat. Will affect your ability to soar. What do you eat? I see pastors preparing for Sunday service and I see what they are eating. On Sunday morning, they can't show up. You can't see them show up. No direct communication with the spirit and life. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickened the flesh profited nothing. The word that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Look into the perfect love, liberty. Whosoever look into the perfect love, liberty and continue therein. He be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works. Man shall be blessed in his deeds. How do you feed, baby? You see them feeding on newspaper, feeding on Facebook, feeding. What do you feed? Desire the sincere milk of the world that you may sow. Feeding. The eagle feed on original things. The eagle, if you kill an animal, you do not touch it. Leftover, you do not touch it. The eagle prefers to feed on a bird that it kills than on a cow that has been killed by someone else. Listen to the scripture, Job 5.27. He says, lo, these things we have he said, we have researched it, so it is. He said, hear it and know it for your good. Be like the Berean Christians. Joe, the Berean Christians, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. He said, We are more noble than the Christians of Thessalonica. They received the word of God with meekness, and when they got home, they searched whether it is so. Don't write notes because you want to microwave it. Write notes because you want to refer to them. You need to add, add to faith, add to whatever you hear. Go home and research. Look deeper. John 5 39. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think. Second-hand revelation is powerless. What somebody else has said, if you re-say it, will not be as powerful in your mouth like the mouth of those who said it. So get it off the right track. I was telling somebody, said, what kind of books do you read? I said, the kind of books I read are not the kind of books that many common church members read. I read theological books. Those are the books that help me to understand the Bible. And when the Bible is well understood, I can bring out the spirit and the life. 
I don't read many of those popular authors like T.D. Jakes. Mm, I've never read one single of his book. Never. Somebody said, why? I need depth. I don't need psychological advice. I don't need you to stimulate me. I want to be impacted. And it's only the word that can impact you. And anybody else who preaches the word. The word. The word. I want something that will enter into me from what I read. And I just want to glance over it. Or glance over it. That's why what I'm preaching and teaching. You will see that it's from a revealed insight. Not a copy note. Write what you need to write. Go home. Research it further. Take it to the next level. Then you saw. If you say it. The way I say it. You can't swear above me. But if you say it. Have already researched it. You can't swear above me. I expect my children to swear above me. I expect you to take the same thing I say. And teach it to you. That when I hear you. I will even know it's my note. How do you feed? How do you feed? I know pastors who preach from tract. tract. If you don't have a calling to this thing, please stop it. One of my sons told me he was very sincere. He was very upfront and pastor. He said that I cannot manage to preach eight new messages every month. I said, okay, what you do is this. Preach one Wednesday. Preach one Sunday. Preach one Wednesday. Preach one Sunday. Get other ministers in your team. To preach the remaining Wednesday and Sunday, Wednesday and Sunday. I said, when you have grown, then you can take your services back. Say, thank you, sir. He went and implemented it. So, four messages per month. He was able to handle that. Say, I can tackle this one well. And he tackled it well. And he would say, what happened to our pastor? He was able to operate according to the level of grace that God has given him. An aircraft that flies at a level where it cannot fly will be thrown around by every wind. And there are some people, young people, making comments about what you do not know. When this tight issue came up, every idiot, fool, is talking about that. What do you know? What do you know? Commenting. And just echoing somebody else's stupid statement. What do you know? This thing you are saying, can you prove it? It's very important to feed well. Feed well, feed well, feed well. If you are not fasting, feed well. The, Psalm, the, the Solomon said in Proverbs 30 verse 8, feed me with food that is convenient for me. Isaiah 58 14. He said, I will make you ride upon the high place of the earth that is soaring, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. Feeding affects soaring. Psalm 28 verse 9. He said he will feed them and leave them up forever. We need pastors who will feed us. Pastors who will feed us. Pastors that after you hear them, you are belly full. No, there are some people you go to a church and you are not full. You still need something. You know, you can eat at a restaurant, eat at a table, and after you still have to snack on granites. But whenever I eat, I eat in such a way that Nothing, not even air, can come into my mouth. I feed well. The Bible says in Jeremiah 6.3, every plant shall feed in its place. Some people follow people to churches 
just to experience what it is. You need to have a place, and that place you'll be planted and feed there. Jesus wants feeding. He told Peter, John 21 15, John 21 16, John 21 17, he said, Feed my sheep. Acts 20 28, he said, He said, Make sure you feed the flock of God. How can you feed the flock when you are not fed? The thought thing about an eagle minister, he feeds well. When you come to my library, you'll find nothing less than 320 different types of Bibles. 320. I had to count it to myself. I have been acquiring them over the years. So many of them. Because that's my primary book. When you see me on Saturday from 10 till 6 p.m. in the evening, I'm feeding. You have to feed before you feed others. You have to, you must know the scripture that is able to deliver you before you save those who hear you. Something that is working for you is what will work for people. If anything has not worked for me, I can't teach it. But if it's working for me, that a legal minister feeds well. I used to know a minister in Illinois. He's now in Lagos. When I was a psychology teacher in Kwarapoli, the one will come and borrow my psychology books. I'm telling you, my psychology textbook. So I asked him one day, why are you borrowing? He said, you know, psychology is understanding human nature. He said, so I want to know. And I, he preached psychology every time from his church. Till now that he's here. He still preaching psychology. The other night, I said, how are you, sir? How are those psychology books? That's what I said. Instead of buying the word. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth. Sanctify them to thy word. John 17, 17. Thy word is what? Truth. The ego minister feeds well. Every minister I know, I always want to say, can I see your library? Can I see your library? Your library is important. Do you have a library? What do you spend your money on? Up till tomorrow. I spend my money most on spiritual materials, encyclopedias, Bible commentaries, dictionaries, various forms of dictionaries that allow me to understand. I have to take a little course in Hebrew, take a little course in Greek, take a little course in Latin to help me understand the scriptures. From a child that has known the scriptures, which is able to make you wise. It is not somebody else's popular preaching that make you wise. It's the scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation ready to be revealed in the end. The more the entrance of your word comes into your heart, the more the light you walk in. We need ministers who are eagle ministers. Ministers who say, God told me. And that is exactly what it is. I went to New York. I was praying for a man. And the man told me, and the wife, he had a problem with having a child. And as I was praying for him, God said to me, tell them in six months exactly they should expect to get pregnant. So I told the man, God said six months from today. The man said, what about today? I said, you can only ask him. That's what I said, so to me. I'm not going to tell you what he didn't tell me, but he told me. First month came, second month came, third month came. The man called me and said, sir, are you counting? I said, I'm not counting. It's in his hands. Once he said it, twice I had it. 
Heaven and earth will pass away. Matthew 24, 35. Luke 21, 33. God's word will never pass away. Luke 16, 17 is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for the death of Jesus of God's Lord to fail. Matthew 5, 18. The heaven and earth pass away. Not even the death or title of the Lord will fail. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. How do you feed? Job said in Job 23, 12, I have extremed the word of his mouth, necessary unto me than my food. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was a delight of my soul. God's word is edible. I opened my mouth and I pumped. Psalm 119, verse 1, 131. For I long for your commandments. Ministry is not what you think it is. It's, you don't, you don't, you don't. Labor in the world. The Bible said, let the elders that labor well, it said, let the elders that preach be, uh, that labor well be worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the world and what? Doctrine. The apostles gave their time to two things. What? Ministry of the world. Ministry of the word. When last did you read the Bible through in one year? You say you are a minister. You ready? Don't take a minister is serious. Who cannot read the Bible through once a year? Every year I read it through about eight times or nine times or ten times. Why? Because it's my food. It's my life. It's my guide. It's my manual. I'm a man of one book. As a young minister, I heard that D.L. Moody read the Bible through a hundred times. And I said to myself, I will read it through many more hundred times like him. In the last count, 320. This year, I've read it through seven times. This year. And I don't think I can go more than seven. Because now, I have so many things. I'm writing, I'm praying, I'm, I'm ministering, and all of that. But you know, that's when I had nothing to do. Now, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. This is the time to read the Bible through seven times. And not to give him carry around Jezabli Chase and all those novels. You read an entire book, the entire message, some verses in the Bible, the entire book, 20 verses. A whole book. Then there'll be stories about how he planted carrots somewhere and how it grew, how the baby grew up. I said, what's all this? But do you know that's what people do? Read the Bible. There is a pattern. Remember the old landmark which the fathers have said. Wow. Number four, because of time. The fourth characteristic of the eagle that makes it possible for it to soar is that it has a nature not to go with the majority or the multitude. I love it. It separates itself. The eagle is not social. The eagle is not social. It separates itself. It does not mix. It flies most time alone. Learn to practice what I call aloneness. Aloneness. Many of us are following the multitude. Exodus 23 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude. John 8, 12, for as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth 
Men shall not walk in darkness at all. He shall have the light of life. Now let me say this to you. I will need to explain this to you. While there are things to be profited from working with in association and company of others, there is also much to be gained from developing your alone best. One thing to be gained is soaring. God said this to me and I wrote it down several years ago. He works faster who works alone. He works faster who works alone. He works far who work in the company of others. While you need to mix to work far, you need to practice aloneness to work fast. Alone. All, all alone. The eagle is a bird that works alone. You will never see, except when the eagle is training his young one, you never see two eagles flying. You won't see it. Whenever you see them, it's training mode. But ordinarily, the eagles fly alone. Some ministers are afraid to be unique. They are afraid to be themselves. They are afraid to just be who God made them to be. They want to work in the company of others. There is a time when the company of others is necessary. But when it comes to developing aloneness. I wish there were enough time for me in this conference. To talk about the eagle in crisis. When the eagle gets into crisis. He's always alone. He goes and deals with it alone. When the eagle gets into crisis. Because there comes a time. In the life of the eagle. Its beak becomes frozen. Its talons become overgrown. Its nails becomes too long. It cannot hold things again. So the eagle fly up. To the cleft of the rock. And begins to knock that beak against the mountain. Knock those talons against the mountains. To peel off those things so that his strength can be renewed. The eagle is the only bird that has a renewable energy capacity. But that is for another day. But the eagle is a bird that goes alone. Learn to practice you alone. The fact that you are alone does not mean you are lonely. People mix both up. I mean, you can ask uh, Pastor Kyle here. Whenever I go to Chicago, I don't go anywhere. The first time I went to Chicago, I went to Sheridan Aquarium. You know that aquarium? And then the next time, the pastor came again and said, let's go to aquarium. I said, to do what? He said, to go and look at fishes. I said, will they allow us to eat it? He said, no. I said, the Bible did not say I should be looking at fishes. He said, I should be eating it. What do I want to know about anywhere? All I want to know is my room. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. Do you have an aloneness? There are days of the week. Even my wife knows. Don't greet me. Greeting will make me angry. Because that's when I want to be by myself. Not because I'm having to go through some grief, but because that's when I cultivate my inner life. What you see is a product of an inner life. Growth begins from within. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work. Where? In you. Shall perfect it. From within. From within. Develop your loneliness. He works faster. Who works alone. Christ had a way. 
of going apart to be alone. I'm going to refer to quite a number of scriptures here. Eagles are not good mixers, not sociable. Do not do things in concert with others. Jacob sword when he was alone. Read it in Genesis 32. The Bible said he sent his wives. He sent everybody. And he was left how? Alone. Verse 24. And there came a person that wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the day was going to break, Jacob said, the person said, leave me, let me go. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless there is a blessing in the place of being alone. When it came, when push came to show, he had to be alone. Many people in the Bible practice aloneness. Abraham did not get the best vision of his life for as long as he was his lot. He was with Lot. The Bible says in Genesis 13, 14, and it came to pass, after Abraham had separated from Lot, God now said to him, Abraham, lift up your eyes. There are visions you can never see until you are alone. Things you will never see until you are alone. I've had strange experiences. In those days, as a young minister, I was growing up in my house. I would lock the door of my house on a Friday. And I would never open it until Monday morning. One day, I was fasting on a Thursday. And I knelt down like this to pray. On a Thursday. And it seemed like 30 minutes. I was in that house all, all alone. The whole week. And so on Thursday, I knelt down to pray. It seemed like 30 minutes. I stood up. I opened the door. I called one boy. I said, come. Please go and buy me my mind from so and so place. He said, they don't open on Saturdays. I said, what? He said, no. I said, no, no, no. Today is Thursday. He said, no, sir. Today is Saturday. I was caught up in the heavens. That's what happens when you're alone. That is what egos need. The ego minister. Must not be seen everywhere. People who know me know you can't see me in everywhere. No. And when I come, I come from a place of loneliness. I've been alone. And I emerge. I sit down quietly. No paraphernalia, nothing. And when the book is delivered to me, I deliver it. And then I go back again. I'm not very sociable. I'm an ego. I'm not a vulture. Feeding on carcass. Alone. There Daniel saw the vision. When he was alone. Daniel 10 verse 7 and 8. Jesus saw it. When he was alone. Matthew 14 23. After he had fed the 5,000 people. His Bible said he went. Outside. Into the mountain. And there he gave himself to prayer. When he came back what was he doing? Walking on the water. You want to walk on the water? Then going to the mountain apart. Mark 133. The whole city came together at the door of his house. Verse 35. A great while before day, he rose and went into a solitary place and there he gave himself to prayer. The apostles had to look for him. When they found him, they were talking sentiments. And they said, You come back, they are waiting for you. And breakfast is ready. He said, Nonsense. Let us go to the regions ahead of us. Verse 38. Somebody who has gone away into the mountain alone. I have, a whole, I have some teachings on being alone. Matthew 6 5 talks about going into your closet and when you have shut your door, alone, pray to your father which yet is secret 
And your father who sees secret shall reward you openly. Mark 14. He said he he went he 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 went in, he went and into the wilderness. You see, Jesus had that habit. Luke five sixteen, he did the same thing. Luke chapter nine verse eighteen verse thirty six, he did the same thing. Paul, when he was saved, he went to Arabia. Galatians one seventeen, and he was alone. Alone. Isaac, Genesis twenty four sixty three, went alone into the jungle. And he went there to meditate. Genesis 24, 63. What are you trying to say, sir? You need to develop that bit of you. You are too visible. You are commonplace. You need to be rare. You are all over the places. You need to be selective in order to be effective. You are too visible. You are everywhere. You are in every place. Every gathering. The time has come for you to go back into that shell and dwell in that secret place. Say, he that dwelleth in the secret place. That is the place to dwell, not in the public place. I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your prayer. You know, for you, not many people are dwelling daily in his presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. In the last three weeks, I've been all over the place, visible, photographing me. As I leave here tonight, I'm going away. At least the next 72 hours when I land in the United Kingdom, I will be by myself. I need to recoup. I need to recharge. I need to relax. The journey is yet long. You are not going to make that journey by strength of food. But by the power of the spirit. I need to get back. I need to prepare for the new year. From the 23rd of December. I am going to shut down completely again for a whole week. What am I doing? The secret place. I enjoy my own company and God. Jesus said in John 8 29, my father who sent me is always with me and I've not left, I, I'm, I'm not never bored and I've not left me alone because I do always those things that I were present inside. Jesus said in John 16 32, the time is coming when all of you will depart from me. He said but I will not be alone. Why? My father is with me. Practice it. Shut down. Constantly, constantly, shut down. Go into your shell. Take me past the outer court into the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. We all with open faces, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of God. We are what? You are not changed by being everywhere. Reality breeds value. The more real you are, the more value you are. Gold that you see is manufactured in the innermost part of the earth, not on the surface. Most good things don't occur on the surface. You are too everywhere. You are commonplace. Commonplace. There are days that even my wife 
is not allowed to see me except to put food down and to go quietly. You can ask. She knows. She doesn't try to disturb me. Because that's when I build up on my whole holy faith. It's not just about dishing out, it's about also receiving as well. Oh, because of time, let me move on here. What is the benefit of being alone? Number one, more time to yourself and God. Number two, less corruption. Less corruption. Number three, deep fellowship with the Lord. When I'm alone with God, you hear me talking. As if to say I'm talking. In some hotels, they have come to knock on the door. Hope nothing. Because I talk to God. I talk to him like I'm talking to you. I talk to him. Why, why, why is it God? You didn't tell me nothing. Why? Those who dwell in the secret place, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you do what? You dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you want to guarantee continual success, dwell. Don't be a visitor. Don't only visit when you have a message to prepare. It's my lifestyle. Years ago, people thought I was crazy. But it has paid. Because of time, number five, the fifth characteristic of the ego that makes it possible for it to show up is that it involves itself in what is called molting. M-O-U-L-T-I-N-G. M-O-U-L-T-I-N-G. It means periodic shedding of the hair. Periodic shedding of the feathers. Eagles normally do this in the beginning of spring, which is the month after winter. When things begin to grow. Molten. You examine yourself, examine your motive, examine your thoughts, examine your heart, place them before God and lay aside Many things. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 13 5, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. I always ask myself, examine yourself whether you are in the ministry. You may be in a ministry and not in the ministry. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 59, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet. I practiced molding. When I go back to England, I'm going to sit down there and look at every way in which I've spent the last two, three weeks. And I'm going to tell the things that I've said I shouldn't say, the places I've gone I shouldn't go, the people I've been with I shouldn't be with, the things I've eaten I shouldn't have eaten, the things I've associated with, I shouldn't have shared with, I will now lay them aside. Hebrews 12, 1. We are foreseen, we are encompassed with so critical witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the same that does so is the beset us. That we may run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking under Jesus. Molting. Shed some things. Reduce the baggage. Reduce the load. Second Timothy 1.21 If a man shall purge himself of these things, then shall he become a vessel. The parting of a man produces a vessel. That's the difference between a vessel and a man. A man that is unbroken is a man. A man that is broken is a vessel. 
If a man shall purchase all of these things, then shall he become a vessel of honor, made for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. What do I need to do to be an ego minister? An ego minister molds. You review your life. You set aside the unpopular work of darkness. You lay them aside. You put them behind you. Certain habits, certain thoughts, certain association, certain things, you put them behind. You know, in those days, I used to wear babariga. How many of you knew me when I wore big abada? And I would take the abada and throw it, anointing. God said, You are distracting people with the way you dress. I went December, I was molting. And God said, You can get many things done without being extraordinarily flamboyant. So, your flamboyant is a distraction. In those days, we were big, my Starch! I got me wrong. I used to travel with the rattling of people. And the strength filled the temple. There were so many people. I may go and answer them, Victor, every time. When I go to Kenya, I pack them, they follow me. They follow me. And when I arrive, I almost use a bottle of perfume per service. Making myself smell. Before I get into places, my smell had gone ahead. Flaboyant. The anointing is there. One December, God said, you are distracting people with your man of ministry. You are dist- your dressing, your perfume. I had to drop them. They fed my ego. But God says, feed the people. Not yourself. He's not about you. He's about the people. We need the good ministers. Recently, I wore some bling 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 uh, during my birthday, I wore some bling bling jackets. And we say, ah, we don't know. If I open my wardrobe, you see many, many bling bling. But molding. Said Proverbs 25, 4. Remove the dross from the silver, and the vessel shall come out for the final. There is too much mix. When we ask me, what do you want? I said, just let me come. Just simple. At times when Pastor Carradine here introduced me, I feel like in the morning they don't introduce me again. No. What is my thought? Because one day they introduced me. I thought it was God. They wanted to invite. God told me, he says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So you distract people. You are not deity. You are human. Listen. The man of God is a man, not a God. There is no great man of God. There is a great God. You never see great man of God in the Bible. You see great God. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Okay, okay. I know you sing a lot here. Let me continue. You sing tonight or next week or wherever time. God told me, said, there is no great man of God. There are only men with a great God. He said, and the smaller you are in your own eyesight, the bigger you will be in the sight of the people. But don't touch the gold and don't touch the glory. And that's why Jesus said, the works that I do, that, that the words that I speak, they are not mine. It's the Father that dwelleth in me who is busy doing the works. 
mouth. Examine yourself. Set aside some things you do. I tell churches, every year, look at the things that are distracting people and remove them from your service. I was in a church one day, they invited a man of God for 20 minutes. Then he said, just to invite the man of God. Oh, okay. And then they invited somebody. It was somebody they were inviting. Who was going to invite the man of God? Everything took 25 minutes. I said, what if God now comes? How many minutes will you use? Mode. Some things are not necessary. Some things you need to put them aside. I was telling one of my young men recently, he was, he was wearing a chain that almost touched the ground. And then he came. His hair was palmed. He had a ring here and two here. I used to wear them. How many of you knew when I wear them? But you see, I wear nothing anymore. Why? God said, you are distracting people. I was wearing diamond. It was underline. One man said, one man said to me, said, throughout when you were preaching, it was your ring I was watching. God said, you see what I said? I'm not saying it's wrong. But God said, I want them to look unto me, not you. Who are you? I said, I'm nothing. Since then, I know I'm nothing. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I know you are a jealous God. When God says jealous, you know what? If they give you the glory and you receive it, hmm. Hmm. that is what makes Olympus fall. Great men that I have met. Great men by men's standard are nothing before God. Mold. 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 Remove certain things from your life. They are not supposed to be there. That boy that told you who had this chain touching the ground, then whenever he preaches, he preaches like a rapper. I said, what is this? He now made a mistake. He sent the link to me. Ah! Immediately I called him. I said, what is it that you think you are doing? You think this is the video? What's wrong with you? Holy office. I was like, oh. <laughs> what's this? I said, you have the revelation. You have the grace. Don't destroy it with this. When I told him he didn't like it, his face changed. I said, listen, whether you talk to me or not from today, if I see anything, I'll call you again. Come and buy the Three months later, I said, sir, thank you so much. He said, I was so unhappy. And God spoke to me and said, if he didn't tell you, who should have told you? He said, those people around here are talking about it behind me. But nobody has ever told you. He said, but the Reverend John does not care. If you want. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> so he now come and say, Dad, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Those are the things that make up a person. Mouth. The ego will go without anybody telling it. You see, the way the ego flies is that it senses the sun on its body. And the more the sun it feels, the higher it flies. But when the skin becomes thick with feathers, he does not feel the sun anymore. So he cannot get his bearing right. 
there are many things that choke. Nehemiah 4.10. He said, because the strength of the bearers of body not decay. That is why there is much rubbish. There's too much, too many things you are involved in. The ego minister. Your money has finished. The six characteristics of the ego is that it is swift in the way it responds. The ego is swift. It responds quickly. Quickly. It responds quickly. The Bible talking about this in Job 9.26. He said as the ego that hasten it to the prey. Habakkuk 1.8 Eagle hastings to eat. David describes Saul and Jonathan as swifter than the eagle in 2 Samuel 1.23. Deuteronomy 28.49 talks about as swift as the eagle flies. If we are going to swap, we must be swift and quick. Carry out orders quickly. Don't slack. Don't slack. Don't drag. Don't delay. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. This is the day the Lord has went. Rejoice and be glad in it. The ego is swift. Psalm 147 verse 15 says, God's word run swiftly. In the way you respond, be swift. The ego is quick. It's a quick bird. Whatever it does, quickly. The king's business for Samuel 21 8 require haste. The Lord will hasten it in his time. Isaiah 60 22. Redeeming the time. Ephesians 2 16. Colossians 4 5. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. James 1 17. Be swift to hear. Start to speak. Start to wrath. Zechariah 8 21. Let us speedily go to pray unto the Lord. The eagle is very fast. Whenever you are sent on an errand, what do you do? Throw it like a bullet. Go swiftly. Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Here am I, Lord, send me. Isaiah 6 8. The master in the house in Luke 14, he said, go swiftly, go swiftly to the highway and the hedges. Whenever you delay your response, you lose your ability to respond accurately. Some of you are here wasting God's time. You had the call, you know the call, but you are not swift. You are waiting till your children get out of school. You are waiting until you have money. You are waiting. Listen, to everything there is a time. And this is to every purpose. Eagle is one bird. Oh, I wish I could do this. Understand time. You see, the body of the eagle works like a time clock. It works like a time clock. Always keeping to time. Psalm 102 verse 13. Thou shall arise and have favor upon Zion. For the time to favor has come. The eagle has in its natural capability a sense of time. The ego is like the sons of Issachar. First Chronicles 12, 32. It says the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times 
that they may know what Israel ought to do. Time. Jesus said, Matthew 4, 17, Mark 15, the time is fulfilled. That's what we call an acceptable time. The equal is somebody never late. Never late, never too early. You walk into the church late every time. So I'll be pastor. You are not. You are an idiot. That's who you are. I went to a church one day and the man who called himself a minister in that church. I was about closing the message. 11 over, he walked from the back and came to the front. I stopped and I said, yeah, I feel that. Get out. You think we are talking here? If you come late, sit at the back. Are you not ashamed? Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek ye the Lord when he can be found. There are certain things that should not be counted with you, a man or woman of God. Psalm 32 verse 6. Thus shall every man play unto God in the time when he can be heard. Ecclesiastes 3 1. To everything there is a time and a season to every purpose under the heavens. A good minister, be swift. Your reaction time is slow. You drag. Everything you drag, even when you sing. Does he? I went to a church. They were singing like this. Does he love God as consume me? It burns in my soul. A driving force that cannot be quenched. The seal of God is like that. What is supposed to be the seal of God has consumed me. It burns in my soul. A driving force that cannot be quenched. A fire that cannot be. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah. Hallelujah. The eagle minister. The purpose of this is not just for you to make yourself an eagle, but to also encourage other people around you. Be swift. While Peter yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost share. Before you call, I will answer that is being imitators of God as their children. We ministers are like a flame of fire. Who make his angel spirit and his ministers what? A flame of fire. Always be ready. Don't get ready. Live ready. Be swift. When your oversight says, I wanted to go to so and so place now. While he's just speaking, you have, you have read his mind. The last characteristic of the good minister is that he's trained. Talked about it yesterday. The training of the good minister. Avail yourself of the opportunity of being trained. There are so many reasons why the eagle train its young ones. But one of it is so that it can survive. I like that song that says, I need you. You need me. We are God's of God's family. You are my something like that. I need you to survive. Don't you know the song? All of these are characteristics of the ego. 
the ego minister. The ego minister uses the sun for its movement. The sun. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 11.7 He said, truly the light is sweet. It's a good thing for the eye to see the sun. The sun. When the eagle is flying, looking at the sun. It uses the sun. Which one is the sun for us? The word. Let any man come from anywhere and do something in the church. You look at the Bible, you don't see it. Throw it away. In one of our churches recently, somebody said he came out from somewhere, I don't know. And then they brought this tapolin. And he used it to cover the pulpit. And then once in a while, we take the tapolin and put it on the shoulder like and drop it again. Money, Adifa. Adifa. What's all this tapolin about? What was all this talking for making life, for making peace? What's all this thing about? Excesses. Pastor Kade here says African magic. The pulpit have been, have been such that anybody can just do anything there. And we sit there very gullible. But I think that time is over right now. A people of knowledge is arising in the land. A people who see and who hear and people who start are in tandem with the move of the spirit are rising up in the land. They are repossessing the gates of the enemy and restoring the foundation of many generations that have been uprooted. They are coming back into their place and standing on the ground that was once holy and sacred. They are repossessing and bringing back into the church practices of the word and not practices of the culture, of the history, of the places where they have been. Yes, said the Lord. And this season is that season when you will cooperate with men and women of like passion and begin to walk in the spirit in such a way that will restore glory and virtue and honor to the church of the living God. Let my people share the Lord fight against every evil from the from the pulpit to the door. Let them resist what is not right and judge what is unholy. Yea, share the Lord is the last days of the move of my spirit and judgment will begin in my house and those who have desecrated my altar shall fall flat while they think they are preaching and their carcasses will be carried out of the castles of Ananias and Sapphira, who dare lie against the Lord in the holy place of the church. And I want you to be consecrated, to be open and loyal, and only respect those who honor the name of the Lord and who fulfill the order of the altar of the ministry. Let no one, for whatever reason, condone or permit or allow that which is ungodly, unrighteous, and more cultural than biblical see God. And I want my people to be bold with the word and to be bold with the spirit and to march as an army into the last day, move of my spirit and to walk hand in hand with men and women who know my name and who reverence me and there shall be a new glory come upon the church. You'll be part of this army. You'll be part of those people that will stand the ground and let it be known that my name is blessed. For I've said in my word that my name be hallowed. I've said in my word that the people should reverence me. For people have brought copper into my temple. And I've worshipped idols as men and as things in my church. Instead of worshipping me the true and the living God. I will yet avenge myself upon those who have desecrated my altar. And I will make them suffer for the sins they have brought upon the church. And the disrepute they have brought to the holy name of the Holy One of Israel. 
And I will purge my church, said God. And I will purge my pulpit. And I will clean it up. And I will set pastors who will feed my people with wisdom and understanding. And these pastors will preach my word and walk by my spirit. And the body of Christ will no longer be ashamed. For we shall not be ridiculed because of a few bad elements that have ridiculed the power and the grace of God. And I will cleanse the church, said God. And I will raise my blossom banner over this nation again. And the revival of the 70s will yet commence at the closing of this year. And all of you here as part of that army will walk hand in hand with each other and with men of kindred spirit who are from far near. And my name shall be glorified. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.